Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villarosa, OVS. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. If you poke me, I'll unfriend you. Yo ho, yo ho, it's the horror's life for me. <laughs> it's so chaotic. Some sort of like a little Disney. I love it. I love so, it. Oh, just a little Disney nod. I, you know what? Wine. It's probably the first 282 episodes. That might be the first time there's ever been a nod to Disney that wasn't like. Cool. Disney is a place on earth. The greatest place. I almost did one that was like very reminiscent of Kyle Richards, which was like, <gasps> in Los Angeles, dating is a small world after all. I do love that <laughs> Kyle gets to just be like, I like that she just gets to be, because she's the protagonist of, of Beverly Hills. She just gets to be like, in Beverly Hills, like she speaks for the city. You know what I she mean? She does. In this town. When she doesn't say town. the actual words, Beverly Hills or this town. It is not an it's not a completed season of BH. I also have one that's inspired by Cynthia Bailey, which is this. Um, what is it? It doesn't matter the coast. Matt Rogers is gonna be doing the most. <laughs> I, I like that, that Cynthia uses her own name. I do love it. I mean, I love I still call her like 53 cent, 54 cent. I'll never get over that title. I mean, I I die for her. But you guys, I got to say, I die for this guest a little bit more. It's episode oh. bajillion and seventeen hundred <laughs> plus, And, you know, I'm just going to give a little bit of an intro, a little background. Oh, please. All of you know, all of you know, <laughs> he's a comedian, actor, writer podcaster, television host, mm. whose credits include Q-Force, 
hot dog, mm. game show, and mm. the upcoming Showtime comedy. I love that for you. And so of true. course, I also love his podcast with Bo and Yang, Last Culturistas. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Matt Rogers. How so are you? happy to be back. I have to tell you, like, um, I really feel like, I mean, and I feel like we say this often, but we really are in such a ripe time for mm -hmm. Housewives. I mean, mm -hmm. just, you know, franchise by franchise, really, really, really good stuff happening. And also, you're catching me in sort of a... Uh, like an afterglow moment because I just for the very first time I had COVID and while I had mm. COVID I decided I'm going to catch up on the franchise that I have not watched which is only one and it was New Jersey so I've now seen every episode of The Real Housewives of New Jersey I just finished the reunion part two of season 11 last night so now I'm ready primed to go for February 1st when the ladies of New Jersey grace our screens again how had you seen every episode of every other franchise but New Jersey? I, I've not seen I've not seen every episode of every other franchise, but I'm extremely familiar with every other franchise. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. only one I was completely unfamiliar with outside of like, you know, like I knew about like I know who Teresa is, obviously. Like I mean I, I mean I, I I'm I know the names of the women on the cast, like, but I had never actually sat and watched it. I think because it felt too close to home. Cause I'm okay. from Long Island and mm. I was like, I don't know. It was just like something I didn't want to revisit. Maybe I felt like maybe there was going to be like a thin layer of homophobia in it. Like there, cause mm. they are, the women are a little conservative and like, I grew up with mm -hmm. this type of woman and their husbands. Um, but then in watching it, I really have fallen in love with it. And I think it's my favorite franchise. Do you? Yeah. 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 What a what a sea change! What a shift to go from. You know, I didn't think I would like it because I feel like it would just remind me so much of home. But I I, I don't yeah. know why I thought that. I like it more because of that. Like you know how many Dolores Catania's I grew up with. Oh, like she's god. just such a warm spot for me. Every time she comes up on screen, I'm like, oh my god, thank god it's Dolores. And the thing with Dolores is how difficult is it to promote from within inside Housewives HQ and to see the cameos with Caroline Manso seasons back where mm -hmm. she was a background player. She was just like over there nodding, cooking something Italian, living yeah. her best life. We knew her maybe because of a lower third and that's all there was. And now she is. She's one of the uh, ones. She's a she's one of the ones. She's a full timer. I mean, we call Dolores a solid B story. You know what I mean? So because yes. Teresa is always going to run the show, and then whoever Teresa is in conflict with, we've seen it be Jackie. We've seen it be Margaret. Mm -hmm. Like sort of those are the girls that are floating up at the top, and then like Dolores and Melissa kind of occupied this space where it's like there no one's ever coming for their spot. You know what I mean? I feel like they'll both like elect to leave. You know, like. It's they're really ingrained in there. I think because, as Andy says, they both speak Teresa. You know what I mean? Right. It's like Dolores is smart because she never she re she says this like she doesn't really take sides between her friends. Like she kind of just like plays it real. Like whatever it is, she, like whatever the ball lands, it's like that's just how calls it how she sees it. Um, mm -hmm. She's not controversial, which I think is good and very Jersey. Very Jersey. And I also feel like there's a difference between a beta housewife and a B story housewife because I wouldn't necessarily characterize Dolores as no. a beta. No, 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 no. She'll get up in she, your face just like anyone right. else. Like, but she just, what, what, where she sits in like the way they edit the story together is like, you're always going to get where she's at with Frank. You're always uh -huh. going to get like, you know, 
my favorite thing ever is like a Frankie Jr. cameo. I mean, my God. Lord Blessings. God. Blessings to all. Um, <laughs> and we'll see what happens with her this season. I know she's not with David anymore. I think that's kind of hit the news. Yeah, she's with some new meatball yeah. who she like did a beach photo with or something. And love he's, to see it. you know, freshly shaved, ready to go, oiled up for a Jersey summer. Mm. I mean, what more is there to ask for? I, I do, though, want to ask you about Teresa. Yeah. Was there any moment that was especially surprising to you, not necessarily in her behavior, but in how you responded to her and her kind of quasi evolution or not well, throughout the years you know what's funny like when i very when i first was aware of jersey it was because of her screaming prostitution whore and flipping a table and i was like oh this is a show about a crazy person like this show feels like too real like the fact that it's about family coming apart at the seams like i don't know i just thought she seemed like an unreasonable psycho to be honest with you in the way that she was depicted and then you watch the show and you sort of do fall in love with Teresa. Like you sort of understand and get it. And like I said, I did grow up with a lot of women like this. And so, you know, I was heartbroken that she went to prison and just seeing her sort of like really work through in her mind that she wouldn't have gone had her husband not like, you know, been dishonest and in many ways manipulative and like criminal in his behavior. I mean, like just to see her connect the dots with her losing time with her mom and him right, that's exactly sending it. her to prison. I mean, it's been very interesting to see the evolution of her being the dutiful wife in the beginning who lived for her family to now someone who is like, you know, a huge television star and like a cross media success. Um, so it's very challenging, I think, for uh, women and people like that from a very patriarchal environment. And I do think that if every, if every Housewives franchise is about one thing, I think that Jersey is really about the patriarchy. And I think it's about, especially in that Italian-American culture, I think it's about, um, you know, almost like service to family, but also mm -hmm. as these women become, you know, the like five-star versions of themselves as they, you know, like we see it with Melissa too, like and Joe being upset about her um, stepping out and like being more of a businesswoman or not being around as much. Like this is a real challenge for people that have been um, cultured to believe that you are subservient to your husband. I mean, and it's funny to watch the word chauvinist get thrown around like, oh yeah, he's a chauvinist. Like, they're not even like super offended by it or they're not even like, wow, I'm a chauvinist. Yeah. I must change. It's kind of just this assumed um, truth. Like, yeah, that's the way we were brought up. The men is head of household. The women are the ones that sort of like make the clock go round and round like in the house and you don't really challenge that. So it's been interesting to binge it and watch it transform in this way. You know what I mean? Totally. It feels like the idea of chauvinism is like their astrological sign where it's like, I'm a Sagittarius. Yeah. Like I hate women and I'm the one in charge. Uh, and the tension of that, exactly as you said, is what happens when the woman becomes the centerpiece, not only of her own story, but of a nationally <laughs> televised, internationally known television show where she is famous yeah. and the breadwinner mm -hmm. for many of these 
couples. Absolutely. And also the thing is like, I, I always wonder with Melissa and Joe just how much of it is put on because yeah. I do think that while their first like six seasons on the show were, you know, fairly raw because they were going through things actively in their life, you know, with their brother-in-law and like, you know, the constant arguments with Teresa and trying to figure that out. But I think it was when Melissa said she had a long lost sister that I was like, mm. is this fake? And then the IVF thing, I was like, I believe that a woman this age would want to explore these options, but do you really want a baby? And now with this thing of like, Melissa is, you know, the, the big boss and Joe feels like, you know, butthurt about it. Part of me is like, yeah, but he knows he's on a show called The Real Housewives of New Jersey. He He's someone who is like, not like, unfamiliar with the idea that like his wife is the star i mean she is one of the stars of the show she's top two on this franchise i mean it just is what it is she is ultimate girls trip housewives legend she is melissa mm. gorga he's known that for years like so for him to all of a sudden be like well you know you're not around and uh, i'm just wondering how far this is gonna go you need to make time for me it's like no dude you love it like you wouldn't have like you're like <laughs> you're like fucking spin off with these boys of yours, the other house husbands, like, which is like, I'm guessing I'm seconds away from being greenlit. Although, I mean, yeah. we don't need it. Um, but he's mm. got everything he's got because of this. So I don't believe necessarily a storyline of like, Oh yeah, it's a real problem in our relationship. And maybe we'll even get divorced about it. It's like, you aren't getting divorced. Skip it. And also, he loves this. He loves doing loves this. It. He is a little bit of a show pony. Oh, big time. And He's the seventh housewife. A, right? Yeah. He is the seventh housewife. And yet there is He's a, a bigger character than Jackie. <laughs> he is. Oh, tough. Not, not, not untrue. Not untrue, but, but like, tough for those three Jackie apologists out there. And shalom <laughs> to all of you. I don't um, dislike Jackie, but Joe Gorga is a bigger character than than Jackie like he is yes we need I love you know represent representation matters and I love um a Jewish housewife who does not want to make me like burn my eyeballs out rest in peace to Galit may your memory never be a blessing but um she was a real ride she was uh, she continues to be if anybody uh, has know. seen her stepson people are looking um but you know the whole idea with Joe is fascinating because you're right on all of these counts. I agree with you. I also just wonder for Melissa's experience, I'm sure she recognizes how her role and power on the show has been benefited, words are fun, by her, you know, marriage to Joe, someone who obviously the network enjoys, audiences love to see. So I wonder how that dynamic plays out because there is more of an influence from the perspective of house husbands on New Jersey. And it just makes me think, has there ever been a moment where Melissa's like, okay, but shouldn't this be more my time? For someone who is on the show ostensibly because production knew she had tension with her sister-in-law and you know, she knew that obviously that was going to be a part of the season when she joined season three or whenever it was. And I just kind of wonder from Melissa's experience how that works. Obviously, I, I would assume she understands that Joe is a popular guy, popular character. And I just kind of wonder for her, does she ever 
you know, quiet night, quiet moment, think to herself, like, <laughs> man, I wish it felt like this story was truly mine. But it is. That's her husband. You know what I mean? Like that's her sister-in-law. Yeah, this that's is true. her life. That's like true. like we, it's 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 not like um like like yeah, sure, would she maybe be on the would they build the show around her from season 1? No, but they also didn't build it around Teresa from season 1. Right. They built it right, around right, the right. Manzo sisters. And that was fun while it was fun and then it was over because Teresa rose to the top and who rises along with Teresa in season three? Melissa. These, this is their life. Like they are the Richard sisters of, of, of Jersey. Like they are the show. And yeah, like I guess Teresa benefits from having been on from season one and having done iconic things because you just can't recreate Teresa in nature. Like she just is a one of a kind. <laughs> Is Melissa maybe as one of a kind? No, in terms of being a reality TV presence, but is she a great reality TV presence? Yes, I do enjoy seeing her life. I like seeing her kids. I like when she moves forward mm. in business. I like her fashion shows. I like the way she interacts and acts and um, reacts. Um, mm -hmm. So that's all I really want in a housewife. You know, she turns up, looks great, has fun relationships. I understand where she's coming from. So if, if, if the, uh, if the discussion is like, but does she ever wish it was because of her? Like it is, this is her family. It is her life. So I don't think that should be a concern. I don't think she needs to do too much extra. I think she's, I think Melissa Gorga is a star. I really do. I, I love watching her. She's one of my top that. five. Shut up. She, Melissa Gorga's in your top five. She is. Can you, do you know in your head right now who the top five is? I just need to ask this. And then I have eight more questions about Teresa. It's always changing. Always because, changing. Always changing. And I'm fresh off of Jersey right now. So it's like, understand like, so when I say like Melissa and Dolores are in my top five, like that's right now. And I yeah. feel uncomfortable even being like two people from the same franchise are in my That's top five, but it's I do lot. feel this way as of okay. this moment, as of recording Andy's Girls episode bajillion and 30. Um, <laughs> Sounds about but right. But also Candace Dillard Bassett. I think that I'm, 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 I, you know, I, I'm I know out here. I'm out you here are. for Candace. You're the one. You're the one. Also Karen Huger. Um, I think a healthy Dorinda Medley. Um, <laughs> You know, Kyle Richards, like and now I'm at six, but like I, I, I love so many of the ladies, but there's certain ones where every single time they're on screen, I do watch intently and ever that's everyone I just mentioned. I watch intently when they're all on screen. Well, I can't say that for I got God lover and I do identify as her. I think I'm the most similar to Margaret Josephs, but every single time she's on screen, mm. I'm not like, gotta see what's going on with Margaret, but I do feel like Margaret. Margaret's not who I expected you to say. I don't know that I knew who you would say is your spiritual housewife, but Margaret Josephs is not the one that I would imagine. That's here's, so why, here's why I'm Margaret. There will be a, a confessional of Margaret being okay. like, tonight I'm 100% not going to do this thing. And then they cut to a scene of her doing it. <laughs> I identify with that. Like me being like, no, you know what? I'm actually not even going to bring this thing up. And I, or I know I have to keep a secret, and so I'm not going to say it. And mm -hmm. then cut two seconds later. I have to tell you something and you can't tell anyone or like, you know, whatever. And also her codependency. <laughs> I used to think I was Dolores because of her codependency with Frank, but I'm, but mm. Margaret has that same codependency with Jan. They're still close. Um, I don't know. And I just feel like the oh, way in, in referencing the, Jan. Yeah. 
You don't understand. I just binged the whole thing. Like I, I'm, I'm. There's, there's more, there's more Jersey Housewives in my body than blood right now. It's like, it's, it's. I'm so inundated, and I'm so excited that I did it right before this new season starts. I'm so excited. Yeah, the timing is perfect. And yeah. that was just this was like COVID inspired. You were feeling the fever of the garden garbage state. Yeah, I mean, I was like, I guess this is the opportunity I'm going to have to dive into something of this volume. Like, you know, it it just felt like a perfect opportunity for me. And I'm telling you, Peacock really does give the girls everything they need. Mm. Like, Peacock's got to be your streamer of choice. I mean, I have 30 and it's right up there. I have to say Miami is giving me everything I've ever loved Miami. in my entire life. Love Miami. I did not. I could not believe they were bringing back Larsa, who I think, in addition to Christy Rice, two of the worst housewives of all time on any franchise. And I'm fucking kind of dying for Larsa. I cannot yeah. believe it. I can't believe it. But I'm like. The OnlyFans of it all is definitely giving us a, it's certainly offering a vibe. And just to see OnlyFans get this much real estate on the show as the other women sort of mull around in their minds whether or not they'd be successful OnlyFans stars, I Love it. I love the queer element of this show. It feels like mm -hmm. it's a very present element in a way I love. And I think Julia's great. Um, love seeing Martina Navratilova come on screen as like a house husband. It's really very <laughs> iconic to me. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the show's being carried by Alexia. Um, that's my personality, and I love it. Echevarria. Alexia's journey. That's my personality, and I love it. Iconic. And to go from where she was during the first iteration, nothing wrong with it. Strong beta, but definitely with sort of a little bit of an explosive uh, nature underneath if you pressed her in a certain way, but never overwhelmingly so. N truly never. To see her take center stage mm -hmm. and sort of see the women maybe during filming. I'm not actually sure I buy that as it comes out of my mouth, but certainly now start to grapple with the fact that like she is in the starring role oh yeah here. you'll fall in it's line it's fascinating some women just need to grow into it you know what i mean i just think like during the first iteration of housewives of miami like they were not catching alexia in her peak imperial phase housewives moment now she is dead husband who was gay like the thing with her kids like Oh and God, then her so her her much. fiance i was like this felt like a housewife scene of of the highest order like that argument in her living room with her fiance and her two kids like that was real stakes real stakes and incredibly complicated trauma and to mm -hmm. see her fiance try to act as the leader of an intervention while saying repeatedly he's not my family so i don't need to participate in this but you guys do because this situation is highly fucked and to understand that there is truth there but it's complicated yeah. and the way he delivered it was really difficult it's it's a lot he was very much acting like hashtag the man there and i think he mm. could have slowed his role a little bit and had a little bit more empathy but the fact is they do need an intense wake-up call and her oldest son peter is a mess like, and has always been a mess. Has always been a mess. Yeah, I think she's just in a little bit of denial about um, his character, to be honest. I think that she 
is dealing with a lot, but you know, I think that it can't have been easy to hear him be like, you've done nothing, which obviously isn't true. But mm. I do think that the intensity of the wake up call she needs is bordering on that. Yeah. And also as a parent, what do you do when your adult child continues to or becomes worse at acting out and is now doing so in the same space as your child who is still in recovery with uh, brain injury. Like, how do you, like, you're not, regardless of what Frankie says he wants to do and regardless of the closeness he wants to continue with his brother and to feel like he has the ability to do certain things, he physically does not. So, like, how do you, how do you handle that understanding that Peter's how now how, like late twenties, I want to say. I didn't even realize he was married, and someone yeah. brought that up in a recent AG, and I was like, "What?" So like, it's, difficult. I don't know how you. I don't know how you handle that because also, just because you're an adult child doesn't need mean you need your parents any less. Oftentimes, it means you need your parents more. So how does that operate itself, especially when he doesn't have a consistent father figure in his life, and now Todd's kind of in that spot like how does a person respond how do you decide the kind of parent your kid needs it's incredibly difficult and very fun to watch (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it's been a wild kind of adventure and i have to say that there's been so much fuckery that's happened um on screen with some of these seasons and off it's it's to me very soothing and very cleansing to have dumb arguments about stupid things and then have moments of incredibly high stakes that can be uh enormously connective for an audience to experience through alexia's with alexia's permission and her family's permission a lot of difficult aspects of their family dynamic that continue like the idea that she's not saying all right well this terrible thing happened but now we're doing okay like they're they are still at a crisis point however they're they're working through it or they're just continuing to walk you Mm -hmm. know like there's the working through it which is sometimes the goal and then there's just also the denial in the moment the defensiveness and the idea that like this is still very bad and yeah. i feel like showing that is incredibly brave of all of them even peter who i think is a piece of shit like yeah there's aspects of all of them i think um we can empathize with i do want to guys um trigger warning i do want to get your thoughts on someone that you reference because i'm just so curious about it someone in your top five when you think about top fives and it can be favorite housewives favorite moments or <laughs> people that you're spiritually connected with i think this is such an interesting choice and you do speak of about her a lot on Las Culturistas, my all-time favorite podcast to listen to. And I do want to know a little bit more about your current thoughts regarding music sensation, pop culture icon, Candace. Candace, 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 one name only, like Madonna. So Candace, I think, um, is reliably funny. And yes, that is very 100%. important to me. Yes, so that's absolutely. hugely important to me is whether or not they can make me laugh intentionally or unintentionally. Right. Candace delivers maybe more unintentionally often. Like, for example, her at a reunion uh, screaming that uh, Ashley was trespassing in her home after she came <laughs> back in and she uh, and she had been asked to leave. The word trespassing. I think it's her wordsmith ways that I really mm-hmm. appreciate about her. And then when Drive Back came out and I actually unironically liked it. I love that song. That gave me a whole other dimension of it. It's really well done. Um, I think that 
I do believe that Candace deals with challenges on that show that the other women don't. Um, I do believe that there is a fair degree of colorism on that show. And I did talk to Dr. Wendy Osefo, another yes. one of my favorites on Las Culturistas, mm -hmm. about it. Um, it's something that they feel. And it's something that Wendy expressed that she's actually kind of relieved to hear people in the fan base admit to uh, seeing that as well, because they feel mm -hmm. adrift about it. You know, like Wendy and mm -hmm. Candace feel like it's this elephant in the room that never gets addressed. Um, and it's almost like surprising to hear people talk about it outside of that circle because um, it's so obviously a problem, but they just feel like it never gets better. Like um, the Green Eyed Bandits and Ashley kind of just like are able to do whatever the fuck. And um, Wendy and Candace are, it, it just always feels like they're at the other end of some conflict that's like sort of about something else. Um, yeah. So I think that's really fascinating to watch them all navigate. Um, but yeah, Candace and Wendy are my favorites on Potomac, along with Karen. Um, and that's just kind of where I stand. And I don't agree with Karen 100% of the time. I think she's actually, um, like, for example, this thing with the, on this season with Giselle having wished Ray dead. I was like, this is just ridiculous. I was like, we have Karen to move on. It. I think Karen it's, knew that, don't you think? I think she did. It's like, when, this is what bothers me with Housewives. When the conflicts they're trying to push are just dead-end non-starters. And I have to mm -hmm. say, it's happening on Salt Lake right now. Because this thing of did Meredith contact the feds is so <sighs> stupid. It is so stupid and so obviously not the truth that I'm like, I feel like a little talked down to by the narrative of the show. I'm like, oh, wow. I, I was like, guys, there is no way that Meredith Marks calling in the feds is the reason why, like, Secret Service, the FBI, like, Homeland Security descends onto the beauty lab and laser parking lot. Like, this is not that hard to figure out. Someone contacted production asked where they were shooting, and showed up. And also, they're the FBI. They can find Jen Shaw, who's very public. <laughs> Not just because she's on the show, because you constantly know what she's doing on social media. Like... She does, she's not a hider. She's not a wallflower. So if she's engaging in criminal activity or allegedly has done these things, the FBI doesn't need Meredith Marks' help. And it's stupid to continue this narrative. Yeah, I think Mary kind of uh, summarized it best with the idea that, like, they didn't need to call anyone. They're tracking her phone. It's, like, not that complicated. And also, how do you go back in time a decade to make up this lie that P.S. has co-conspirators at lesser levels than Jen's charges pleading guilty? Pleading down guilty. Her assistant, we know, is also planning to plead guilty. And I don't know if the language is, like, turn state's evidence or whatever the fuck it is. Apologies to my father, but um, I'm an honorary litigator uh, in my heart and soul, but it's not actually that complicated. And what's annoying to me, and I totally agree with you on this, is the Whitney of it all in saying, well, it's not that we think this. We just wanted to, you know, 
bring it up. We just wanted to bring it up on national television so we could clear it as a possibility. Yeah, I don't know. I've multiple been, times. Multiple times. I'm Team Whitney pretty much 99% of the time, but the way she's pushing this particular thing, I'm I'm just tired of it. I'm wearing Wild Rose Daily Moisturizer Glow right now, okay? Are you? Yeah. No, Whitney's, Whitney's up there for me. Like, I love Whitney, and I think she's been incredible all season. I just think her and Heather... And I don't know what, what Jenny's involvement really is in this, but like this thing of like, it seems like you had something to do with the indictment. It's like, you don't actually think that. We've seen how smart you are. Like how many times has Whitney surprised us? Like so many times. She doesn't think that Meredith had anything to do with the indictment. And if she does, like, it's just transparent for me. So I think I'm good to move on from that particular storyline, which I guess it seems like they did because by the end of the episode this week, they were all like raging in the pool together. <laughs> yeah, but this is like the 10th time that this has been brought up and then minimized and then moved to something on. I do think it's going to be unfortunately a large part of the reunion, which is a massive pile of shit. I can't wait to... Uh, wade through or whatever process that will look like and the last week in the bravo world has been so interesting because we're watching this episode of heather saying to mary jenny like the use of the language it's just wild jenny's life matters she said mattered so many times i'm like jenny oh my matters God. she matters. Jenny matters her life matters her life and i'm like fuck, well, you can sort of say it on television. It's just hard for some of you to describe it on social. But there has been a massive pushback in the Bravo community, Bravo sphere, about the idea that there's a reckoning around race that happens at an incredibly inconsistent level mm -hmm. within the Bravo world, including about actions and behaviors that have ha not happened on the show and actions and behaviors that have been at the forefront of produced entertainment, hashtag Black Shabbat. Like, yeah. there's a very inconsistent nature of how do we characterize this as a part of television entertainment and do so without pushing back on some of the very racist ideals on which it's been built. And we're watching an episode where the only black cast member on Salt Lake City who we know has since quit the show is being told that Jenny's life matters, knowing that's going to be the framework of the episode that Mary won't participate in. And knowing, as we do now, that Jenny's 30-plus posts, those are 30 of bajillions that have been released from 2020 and before, knowing how her posts have a very specifically anti-Black lens to them, it's just kind of cringe to see these housewives on camera be so quick to say, you know, this is important. It's, it's a different topic as relating to interpersonal dynamics, friendship, and someone not wanting to shoot the shit over brunch mm -hmm. than it is a person's, you know, racist series of memes. I, I completely am owning that. It's not, it's not similar in that way. It's just the timing of this and the pushing of Mary to befriend this woman, knowing what she feels and has so publicly said about black people mm -hmm. is really tough. Mm -hmm. It's a tough look 
because we now have the benefit of too much information. So how do we process the current when we're thinking about the future and way too much about the past? I'll say that none of it is fun to watch, period. Mm. And um, Jenny should be fired because she's a bad housewife. So let's just say that. She's not a good yeah. housewife. She doesn't add much to the show. Um, the, a lot of the things she says and does don't make a lot of sense. She's not fun. I a 150% believe the thing with Dewey when her sister, when the sister wife thing is staged. Um, because if it's not staged, it's evil and like crazy and I don't want to watch it. And if it is staged, that's like craven and attention hungry and like, obviously like against the Bible of housewives, which is like, it should be real. Um, so I don't like her as a housewife and have been saying for weeks, months that she shouldn't be asked back. So when I see that she's dumped all over Facebook, this racist rhetoric and especially when you realize when she was posting it which is you yeah. know the summer and fall of 2020 when people like were feeling a despair like we had never felt before the fact that she could dig in at that moment um i just don't need to see anything else like i don't need anything from jenny I'm good literally after this season, never talking about her again. Um, the Mary of it all, she said a lot of prejudiced stuff. I mean, she she has done racist impressions of Jenny. She has um, made the slanted eyes comment. One thing I'll say about Mary is I genuinely believe she is so alien and so detached from the reality that maybe you and I experience or like us all out here experience that I genuinely believe that there is something inside her that is like, yeah, Asians have slanted eyes and I think they're beautiful. I think it's a beautiful feature of Asian people. So why can't I call it slanted eyes? I think that she seems to really come from that place. And if that's true, that's one thing. The Asian impression, the voice, that's another thing. But I, I genuinely think this is a person who's not living in this from the same point of view as everyone else and just maybe is not aware that these are not things you should be saying because they're racist. Um, so I guess it's like it comes down to like intention for me and like what, what, yeah. the, what the capacity is for growth moving forward. I mean, I saw Tiffany Moon posted Ooh, today that's a tough, that's a tough uh, and she, she i guess she was friends with jenny and after reading all these posts she's like remember you have to lead with love and kindness and like offer an opportunity for education and growth before you condemn it's like yes that's true but also at a certain point like you have to gauge who it is you're talking about and i get distinctly bad vibes from jenny i don't trust her i don't trust her intentions being on the show i think that it's not entertaining and also seems vile to me to use to quote Meredith Marks. And mm. also the thing with Mary is I don't think she likes these women <laughs> and I don't think she's from the same planet as the rest of the women. And I, I do have concerns about what her church is like. So for me, both of them, if I mean, Jenny's gotta go, it looks like Mary is going, but could I stand to see another t uh, season of television with Mary on it? 
yes, because I do think she's good television, and mm-hmm. I don't think her intentions are racist and evil. I think it's a different story with Jenny. Yeah, the Jenny posts are interesting. I mean, something can be racist regardless of whether or not your intent was to make someone feel good. That's very apparent and very obvious. And I do also think it matters that Jenny's posts were specifically celebrating the murder and killing of black people and the idea that Black Lives Matter protesters being physically harmed was funny to her. Yeah, it was like a victory. She's celebrating it and talking about black on black violence and things that are a dog whistle to to people who want to condone and continue the ideals of white supremacy. Like this is not it is it is a what she's doing is telling people explicitly if you didn't see the first five posts that were super racist, I'm going to add on 25 more because I'm not getting pushback because I believe these things. And then I'm going to pretend that I was doing it because I hate violence. But she's only talking about violence being uh, being real or in her perception of it when it's in her lens is somehow being uh, appropriate. Jenny hates violence. She's talking on the bus about how she would have taken her ear off, ba- her earrings off back in Long Beach or whatever. Like, get, give me a fucking break. Maybe instead of talking about the fake sister wife, we could have had a little bit of a moment of the idea that Jenny, as a one-off comment, talked about an incidence of domestic violence where she broke several of her husband's ribs. And then yeah. was like, you know what? Maybe I get mad too much. Like, that was such a throwaway moment. And it's like, okay, but that, it's a throwaway moment because it's real. It's a throwaway moment because you don't want to talk about it. And you don't want to talk about specifics. Maybe instead of having, like, that glorious Cheesecake Factory picnic in the park, in his office and talking about whatever the fuck we are we can talk a little bit about how we're working on our marriage and the reality facing some really dark shit that's going on and the as to dr tiffany moon's post i read that and you know i heard from ags uh because i said some shit on social and heard from some ags who very sincerely and i very much appreciate sincere questions and try to respond as best I can with a sincere response. Shouldn't we see the Jenny story play out a la Brandy Redmond? Like, I don't want to watch it. Well, it's like the idea of instead of firing someone for fireable offenses, shouldn't we open the door to grace? And my response to that is like, grace is, Jenny did not assign any grace to the black to the black people who died, whose very lives and values she shat on. And it's not up to non-black people to decide the level of forgiveness to be assigned to someone who very explicitly you you only need to say it once. She gave us the benefit of saying it over 20 times that she is racist. Like if someone is telling you they're racist, you should listen to them instead of gaslighting. The behavior and the activity. And also, if anybody wants to give Jenny forgiveness or whatever, she should fucking earn it by changing her behavior and saying, not having some fakakta, this is like very sidebar, very niche, but like some random ass person being like, I was her social media uh, manager during that time when she was just a normal person. And, um, you know, she was hacked, but only on the racist stuff, not any of the other stuff. And do you really think Bravo would have hired a racist person? Come on, that's hilarious. Yes, it's sometimes a job qualification. Like it's, it's all just so fucking wild. I just have to say, I just don't want to watch it. And I, 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 I hate that it even occupies so much of the conversation because it's yeah. not fun. Like I, I, I was just, I was just watching the new episode of OC, and I was like, 
you know, I, I don't think this season of OC is like a runaway success. Like, I think it's pretty good. But I was like watching Heather Dubrow like mm. um, talk about like the house she wants to build in Cabo with Terry, like her new vacation home and like talking mm. about like her family and she wants to set them up. And I'm like, yeah, this is more in line with like the housewives I want to watch. Like I do want to watch them be stupid on vacation. And then like, I, I don't know, like I, I guess not arguing for no conflict, obviously, but I just, of course, I, the conflict should not be. Anyway, this is not what I want to watch. I don't want to watch Jenny when be rehabilitated from like how racist she was. Like I don't want. I am not interested in watching her come to grips with this. I don't care because I'll I'll go back to my main point. She's not good on the show. She's bad on the show. Bad. B a d. Bad housewife. Not fun. Not entertaining. You don't know where she's coming from. I don't care. Like, I think she's fake. Like, period. Done. At least with, at least with like, Lisa Barlow, I think she genuinely can't help herself in the way that she acts. Like, I think, like, you know, them catching her on the mic next week, calling Meredith a whore, saying she fucked half of New York. <laughs> I'm like, that's, I, I want to see that. Like, I want to see, like, someone who is, like, really, like, you know, and it's it, it's just it's it's not coming from a place of darkness. It's coming from a place of like frustration and anxiety yes. and like oh, yeah. desperation. Love and it. I just I, I feel we can just leave the racism behind because I, I think if Bravo has tried to pivot to being programs that like talk about these topics, they've failed. They've failed. And maybe they shouldn't be doing it. Maybe they shouldn't be hiring Ebony K. Williams. Maybe they can't handle someone like that. Because the other cast members sure can't, and production can't, because she's almost definitely not coming back. Like, I had heard before Dallas was canceled that Dr. Tiffany Moon was fired. So if they're going to keep letting, bringing these housewives on, who honestly deserve hazard pay for the amount of racism yeah, teaching they, they, they have to do, do. They literally then do. do right by them. And nothing the shows have shown shows that they're able to do that. Because even the Garcelle stuff, even the Garcelle stuff with like her saying she feels like an outsider and those women breaking her down at dinner until she cried about it. And then be them all like going to her, hugging her. Now we see Garcelle. This was so good. Now we see. This woman had to break at the table because the white women needed her to, to understand her pain. And then like... They're gaslighting the audience into thinking like this is something that was a productive conversation. No, it was a traumatizing conversation because here is this woman, Garcelle, who has to not only explain herself, but exhibit like her devastation yeah, at a life at a lifelong of being treated this way and not being able to particularly communicate why you feel like an outsider and not being believed that you feel like an outsider by these idiots. And then only when she breaks down in tears with nothing else to say, do the white women come to her and say, now we get it and we can move on. It was gross. So I'm over it. Like, like I think that obviously the cast should be much more diverse, but stop bringing just one black woman in. Stop bringing just one Asian woman into these casts. Yes, it's all changing. Like, they are becoming more diverse. But, like, vet. Fucking vet. Because I'm sorry. But if you're putting someone on television, I know the processes that go into that. 
And I don't know if I believe that they didn't see those posts. I'm confused about the timing of it because it was late 2020. Andy said on Watch What Happens in a in a pre-taped moment with Lisa. He was like, have you seen those posts of Jenny from years ago, which is at best. Uh, years ago. That was like last week. It was literally 13 months ago, and yet we're pretending that years ago makes it better. If you were racist 15 years ago, the chances are likely high that unless you've done a significant amount of work on yourself, and we've seen no evidence of it because it wasn't discussed, that you're still going to kind of be a piece of shit. And someone, you know, DM me today with a question. I was like, I don't actually have a response, which is the the selective valuation of a person's racist act and how to describe the level of accountability is so fucking inconsistent at Bravo. They can't handle it. They don't know how to handle handle it. it. Even the Stassi and Kristen thing, it's like you are assigning weight and responsibility to stuff that's happened on camera and off so we can no longer use that excuse anymore. And you do things, you cut contracts, you don't publicly address anything in such a way where one can infer that accountability is being made, where the audience is doing the work on behalf of the network who is trying to protect racism as a political ideology, which is completely fucked. But that is something that's being done. But how do you Stassi and Kristen are at a much higher valuation on their respective show than Jenny is on Salt Lake. So why does it feel like, aside from the fact that this has just sort of been discovered by the network resulting from the discovery from the Bravo community itself, like why are they assigning Jenny such a high valuation higher than, and you can't, not every incidence of racism is equal. It's not to say that it's not, I I don't believe in the idea that like X happened here and Y happened there because their responses have been so chaotic and disorganized and muddled, but I don't understand why they didn't at least say racism is bad on social in a fucking Instagram post and or say this is bad and much like that forgettable deckhand on below deck a couple seasons ago this person has been let go like what's the what am I not understanding about the value of Jenny that you and I are both not seeing on the episodes as they air why do you think that this is entertaining content? Didn't you learn from Dallas and New York? I like, think what? No, why have you not? These are people that can't uh, obviously can't learn from this because it's now encroached on every single franchise. Because you see it happen with 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 Beverly Hills, obviously mm-hmm. Dallas, which was a fucking mm-hmm. train wreck. You Nightmare. see. You see it go down on New York, obviously, which I think caused people to just not watch. I, I think it was unwatchable. Mm-hmm. And now, like, you know, we're, we're moving forward <clears throat> with um, Salt Lake. And I just think the answer with Salt Lake is that the show is in complete disarray because Mary didn't show up to the reunion, won't mm-hmm. be on the show next year. She occupies a lot of the narrative in the conflict. Mm-hmm. Jen Shaw, like, who knows what's going on with that? Well, who knows what the future is with that? You have Meredith, who seems to barely want to be on the show. You have, um, you know, Whitney and Heather, who like, I think they're running out of, um, they're running out of new areas of conflict with the other women. Yeah, and, they're running out of buttons to push. And ultimately, you have Jenny, who 
they've pushed her in a direction narratively on the show where she's going to call out racism. And now we see she's the biggest racist of all. So I just think they don't want to make any quick moves with Salt Lake because they're losing Mary. They're going to lose Jenny. she, She cannot return. And I genuinely don't know that Meredith likes being on the show. But then... I'm shocked at the end of this episode this week where she seems to be having a great fucking time. I, and she's, she's another one that like, scares me. I'm like, Meredith, where are you at? She did warn us season one, you don't want to see me get angry. And we've seen now what that looks like. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, intriguingly though, we do. I think I just want to understand, like I, like, I just want to understand like actually where she's at because she was raging with those girls. That she was like, you're not my friends. Ah ha ha. Thank God. And then now, then she was like furiously screaming in the morning. Then put her fucking pink suit on and went hiking with the girls and was raging with them all night. Like, I was like, that looks like my friends go to Palm Springs. Like, I was like, everything on the ground, those women raged. So I'm like, all right. I just think the pulse of Salt Lake is a hard one to find. It's like either really fast or really slow. And I don't know what the cast is. And the reunion will probably be a mess. And I'm hoping that shit really goes down next week with Lisa and this comment. Because I would love to see some Lisa and Meredith live reunion, like, throwdown. Because it's really one of the only things that's going to be at least promised to us in that reunion is that those two women are going to be there. Do you think they're going to re-edit the reunion? Because I would think it would be very anti-Mary from the pers- from the lens of Jenny stuff and in light of what we know now. No, because no, you know how the because Mary no, was wrong. Story. Mary was wrong. No, it's not that she... I'm not saying that she wasn't wrong. I'm saying they're that They're not going Jenny- to re-edit it. No. Okay. They're not going to re-edit it. I think that it's going to be what it is because they need to fill the time. And I'm sure they want three episodes out of it. Which oh I'm sure when Mary didn't show up, they That's were like, episode. well, fuck. I'm waiting. Yeah. Like, what now? Like, they're lucky that Lisa didn't know she was on a hot mic when she said this thing. Because that's going to be half an episode, I'm sure. The dissolution of Lisa and Meredith's friendship. Because Lisa called her a whore that fucked half of New York. <laughs> Which half? Honestly. Tell me more. Honestly. Which, by the way, gotta say, there's nothing wrong with that. Yo ho, yo ho. No, love it. Tell me, are any of these guys still available? Did you see that fucking photo of the guy that allegedly Jen and Meredith both stooped? He's no. this guy. Remember the guy Ron from? This is so again like the niche of niche. Uh, Real Moms of Bravo guys posted this if you want to see the photo. But it's Ron from the New York finale. This guy who you remember went on like a non-date with Ramona at T Bar. The guy with like kind of the largest face, face like large-ish. And she like wasn't he, into it. I mean, Ramona's into. I think. Uh, everything if it's available yeah i don't know that she maybe he went on a date with her or something i don't remember it's on real moms of bravo i'm literally looking up right now real moms of bravo it's this guy wrong shut up this guy yeah who's kind of my type so like (laughs) but it's i was it's very confusing to me because meredith is saying that jen only maybe fooled around with him to get information on her like what have you not heard of reddit i'm not into this guy at all for either of them i would say that they both 
are married to men that are more attractive than this Ron character. And I also say that as someone who's very skeptical of Seth Marks and everything he does. Yeah, he's been such a. I mean, this season has been full of surprises. And it's giving creep like, vibes. Yeah, it's, it's, real creep. It's giving. It's giving like pig. I mean, again, kind of my type. But yeah, like, it's I so get weird it. to hear people be like, I don't know. Like, like Danny Pellegrino on his show is always like, Seth's disgusting, but I do like him. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what is it about this guy? Because he's. It's not like he's like hot. Oh, no, wait. I wasn't thinking about Seth as attractive. I was thinking this random fucking guy, Ron, who I'm going to look for at the Regency later today. Like, I, there's some, you know, it's just real sweaty. No. You're not really in business. You're an entrepreneur because your dad hit it big or bought an apartment in the 70s for a dollar. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm It's got to end. These women, (laughs) these women doing so much work, like, in every area of their life to be stunning. And then they date Ron. No. (laughs) And not even date, have an affair with. Like, put your own life in jeopardy. Like, are you kidding me? You're going to take one look at Coach Shaw and then be like, "Mm, I think what I really want is Ron. (laughs) Wait, and also Meredith was separated. So, like, I don't see the problem. We need to spend a little more time talking about Jen. That's the missing link to all of this is, like, we're spending so much time talking about could Meredith travel back in time and work with the FBI over the course of several years and or slide into their DMs? Or like, did Jen do the stuff? Like, mm. we're missing that with this with Ron as well. Like, where is the yeah? Where is the actual problem? Off air, you said you had you had tea from a firsthand source. What's your tea? Okay, and I'll tell so you it mine. was it was real dumb, but like, I did have a couple direct messages with a Salt Lake City housewife when my thing went up on social whose name is Jennifer Shaw, who I didn't discuss. I didn't even talk about it. This is like no joke. I didn't even talk about it on social or screenshot because I like forgot. It just What did she say? So um, she said, thank you. Everything you said about my post. I said, thank you for speaking out because her post was like, very strongly worded yeah, and it's yeah. very apparent by the things that the women are intimating and or explicitly saying that like I couldn't speak out specifically before but now I'm going to or like sorry well, for that's the, delay. the tea I have so I also DM'd with a real housewives of Salt Lake City Whitney Rose Heather. because Whitney oh. was supposed to come on Lost Culch <gasps> and this I, week no we were going back and forth on Insta like being like Whitney come on like she's like I'd love to like in, in like the public messages and then I DM'd her and I was like we would love to have you on I know we've been talking about it back and forth and she was like I would absolutely love to come on but Bravo actually just called a meeting with all of us and we're not allowed to do outside press for some time so maybe when that is lifted we can and you, she's like you guys will be the first podcast i do and i was like amazing like we're such fans and I, I really do love whitney and she was so sweet in her messages but two days later this jenny stuff came out so i'm i at the time i huh. thought at the time i thought oh maybe they don't want them doing any interviews because they don't want them to leak anything about the mary of it all because the big story at the time was oh. mary didn't come to the reunion and then it became very clear when they were all posting, like, finally we can speak out and say da 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 or whatever, that they knew this was coming. Do that- you think so? Bravo. The Jenny? Knew. Bravo knew. Shut. You are breaking my mind. 
Bravo knew because why would they not have been allowed to do any outside media? That's not the way it goes with any other franchise. And I thought, I know they've played this, they've played this season of Salt Lake very close to the vest. Like even like the press screeners like are haven't gone out. Like they'll wait till um they'll wait to upload to like the play the the apps the website where you watch press screeners right, right, right. like until it actually goes on. Like they're playing this season very close to the vest. So I thought maybe it was just more of that, but the way that their language is in these posts condemning Jenny, combining with when I DM'd Whitney about being on Lost Coach and she told me that Bravo had told them they couldn't do interviews, makes me feel like Bravo knew these posts were going to get leaked and they were telling the women that they wanted them to be quiet about it. It does seem, first off, oh my God, it does seem apparent that the women were told to be specifically vague because the initial round of posts aside from Jen Shaw's which was like racism is very bad Jenny did this stuff and her non-apology was a piece of shit like the other women were like love is great and find the light they were just like they were they were denouncing racism in general and and Jen Shaw was basically the only one that was like my castmate admitted to posting these and so i will stand up and say it's abhorrent and i am a wife and mother to black men and Mm -hmm. i stand for this community forever and i denounce it like which is what it was and then imagine how mortified the rest of the women were that were like you're not gonna let us speak like you have to let us like come out and say this and they're saying that obviously guys not to jen shaw but to the powers that be to the powers that be So I said to Jen Shaw, thanks for speaking out. And she said, always, I couldn't stay silent. I'm glad someone nailed it in parentheses you. No problem. And then she sent me, I guess she sent me a photo of her own profile that tagged herself and said, the real Jen Shaw has removed Real Housewives of Salt Lake City from her bio. And I was like, I don't know how to respond to that. And I said, thanks, Jen, about like me being great or whatever. And when she then she said, when you speak your truth, you get punished with the emoji of someone doing like the arms up, like what the hell? And I said, did they push back against your statement? And she said, absolutely, yes. And I was like, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Fuck that. And then I was like, I wonder about their legal standing about trying to invoke a gag or threat of fines when someone's talking about why racism is maybe not great. Like, I don't know what the legal standing is, but you usually don't get to that point. It's usually just the threat. It's like a very, it can be a very veiled or very clear as day threat. It's like the idea that Kelly months after the fact was fine for like being racist on social. And she herself was like, they didn't actually tell me why, but I got charged 15 K or whatever it is. It's like similar to this stuff, except instead of doing the thing, you're talking about why it's not great. Like the fact that it has leaked that Jen Shaw potentially may be fired for being too specific in her anti-racism post. And that we've heard nothing about whether or not Jenny is fired is so humiliating. It's Mm. so shitty. Like, I don't even have the words to describe how badly this has been handled. And it's not fun. Like it's, it's like watching these shows are supposed to be an escape and they need to do a better job of figuring out who these women are. They need to a better job of handling it and they need to do a way better job of managing their talent because 
it's all over the place. How do they not have anyone who is in any way associated with crisis? It's Bravo. Bravo is a part of a multi-conglomerate. I don't understand why every time they're like, this again? What did we do before? I Let's think, do something else. I it does think not that, make sense to me. You know what's something I've realized the more I'm in the entertainment industry? And I'll just, Tell me I'll, 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 I'll just say this. Like, Tell I feel me. like the, the more I'm experiencing being in this business, mm-hmm. you can't assume that anyone is actually good at what they do. Like, I, I am... I, Aha moment for days. I'm here to tell you that people you think are the best at what they do, that have mm-hmm. hugely high-level jobs, mm-hmm. y- you'd be shocked at how incompetent some people are at high levels. Um, that's what I'll say about that. And, I mean, I think the wool's been pulled um, over our eyes, like, in terms of how that's true with politics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly true in the entertainment industry and at all levels. Like, yeah. never assume that people know what they're doing or that they will, when given the choice, do the right thing. A certain type of person always seems to be able to fail up. So I don't know if this is a continuation of it or an example of it or whatever. Can I ask you just one little quick question about this? And mm-hmm. then um, I want to hear, you know, that Las Culturistas and what's coming up in the pod. Okay. Um Bowen talked on Lost Culture about his experience on Watch What Happens, where he explicitly said that Ramona Singer was a white supremacist yeah. and it was cut from the show. Do you know, was there any conversation after that of like... He's certainly not banned from the show. Like there Someone was that said that, and I was like, I don't. I'm not friends with Bowen, but I can guarantee you that no. he wasn't banned. No. I can guarantee it. No, he was not. And also, it I just was cut. every time it Bowen brings cut. that up, like because Bowen does have this thing where he does bring up, like I might be banned, and I'm like, I, I just wish it's, he wouldn't do that because it's feeding yeah. a non thing. Like it's a, it's so stupid. Like he's not banned. <laughs> he made a joke about Ramona Singer that they decided not to use in the broadcast. No one was mad. It right. wasn't a thing. Like there were such bigger fish to fry. Like you got people dragging Ramona out on these streets, like left and right. Like he, they just didn't put it in the show. Like and Andy Cohen doesn't have anything against Bowen. Like that's not a thing because maybe if it was an actual live broadcast and someone came on and actually popped off and like condemned Bravo for having like Ramona on and like didn't say it in a like comedic, like, you know, tone of voice, it would be one thing, but it was a joke that wasn't used. So whatever. It was like something about the Tiki torches. I don't remember. I he just was remember. Gi- you know what it was? He was giving like housewife superlatives and they were like, what oh. housewife superlative would you give Ramona? And he was like, uh, most likely to be a racist with those tiki torches or something like that. Like some elevated version of that. And they didn't use it and it was fine. And Andy and Monique Samuels both laughed at it. Well, guys, listen, breaking down the truth, setting, setting the facts straight. Listen, I'm the bone carrier. I carry the bones. <laughs> collector you are the collector you're the deliverer you're the process server you're the sharpening them to use as weaponry as needed I feel like I feel like though like it's frustrating because you want to come out here and talk about housewives and talk about all like the stupid shit they're doing and like who 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 you like yeah, and who I you don't, don't. want to talk about this yeah but but the fact is we did for a half hour yeah. And we okay, shouldn't well, calm down, calm you know, down. You know what? But, yeah. but no, I'm yeah, not yeah. saying I'm not, it's not, it's no, not an indictment on you. I'm it's I'm saying like, you. that's where we're at with these 
shows. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, that's why I've been filling my brain with like the Jersey of it all. Like, and mm. of course, if we dive into their politics, it's going to get a little dark, but mm. I've just been so like, I've been really enjoying watching like natural conflicts um, yes. happen and not this like stuff, which I, I'm sorry. Like, and I'm not dragging the network. I love the network. I'm like, I'm like of a course. huge Bravo fan. Like I, I, I spend hours and hours watching their shows. I love the housewives and I love everything about Bravo, but like, we have to call a spade a spade here. Like this is not going well because you can't just say we're diverse now and then not deal with or correctly deal with like, what happens when you throw someone like Ebony K. Williams in with Ramona Singer and, and then set up a black Shabbat and know exactly what Ramona's going to do? Like, we the fans, like, we're not dumb. Like, we don't like it. And so we have to be able to say we don't like it. And I do get nervous, like, coming on here and being like, they can't handle it, but they can't. I mean, I think that they themselves would admit that they can't. They're just hoping that content creators and podcasters or whomever speaking out as much as they probably hate it, as I'm sure they do, will pacify or quell the idea that they themselves need to use their voice. Like, the idea that Lisa Barlow is being asked a question to respond to posts from, quote, unquote, several years ago, whatever it was, Without a network response, where yeah. the responsibility for responding to the, it shouldn't be either or, but it absolutely should not start or end with Lisa Barlow. Andy didn't say anything after. It's, we didn't even get into, which is another conversation, their ability to hold certain housewives responsible and say how much they don't condone their behavior. It always seems to have a certain shade to it. One Jenny apparently does not understand. But like the idea that, this is a thing that we will stay silent about and or turn into entertainment. It's exhausting because I don't I actually don't want to spend a half hour talking about it. I want to talk about other things. I like I like Housewives because it's narrative storytelling about yeah. the importance of a woman's story, specifically most women over most of the women being over 40. Like, mm -hmm. I think that's important. I think it's important to see the shards of glass that, that live underneath a seemingly perfect life. Like yeah. it's important to see the difficulties. Conflict is great. Many of these women are funny AF and smart or whatever they are. It's great narrative storytelling and I love it. And it's not a guilty pleasure. It is a pleasure and it's important to me. Yeah. And you're taking that away from me by doing these dumb things and then not responding to them because and I feel like I have a responsibility to use my platform, which exists regardless that responsibility remains. But like you're doing everyone a disservice by telling us that it is the responsibility of individual cast members and not yeah. their employers, production companies or anyone else. It's just it makes this is where the guilt is introduced. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that reality TV, any kind of escapist moment is ever a guilty pleasure. Whatever you enjoy in life that brings you, I never participate, nor would I ever participate in any kind of boycott of any show ever. If you are getting something out of it, life is so limiting in all the time, but especially right now that if you are getting something out of whatever show you're watching, book you're reading, if, assuming those are still a thing, do it. Like, do the thing that makes you feel okay or doesn't, but is the thing that you want to do. They make this more difficult by introducing guilt in the way that they are. Yeah. Like, life is already a little bit of a 
you know, fuckery parade. Like, I don't necessarily need this to happen so consistently. Like, it's 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 enough. It's enough. Just say that racism is bad. At 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 the least, say that racism is bad. But yeah. they haven't done that, and that makes me feel. Have bad. they have they ever made a statement about any of the? Yeah, they they have. Like, I what well, didn't they do that with Cameron? They stand by T- Tiffany Moon. What happened was sources close. <laughs> I'm smiling. Sources close to Tiffany Moon. Uh, agreed to speak on background for a piece for Variety that included the no comment the network made when people close to Tiffany were talking about how wild this has been, how uh, uh, incredibly upsetting that she doesn't have any support, and the network refused to comment. And then the Variety piece went up and they got such bad pushback that they wouldn't even comment on... uh, a housewife of color, this Asian woman whose first time on the show, first season on the show was being met with such heinous animosity and hate online and being celebrated by cast members. Like some of those same responses, is it from a bot or is it from someone you film with every day? Who can Mm. even say that they then put up a very generic statement that was like, we stand, I think they said with the Asian American community. I don't remember if they specifically called out Dr. Tiffany Moon. They might've, but they certainly didn't with cam. It was just inferred. And if there's one talent that Bravo has, it's, knowing that the audience is smarter than any one motherfucking lazy act that they do. They assume that we know that when someone gets fired, when the Vanderpump Rules thing happened, they know that we will infer that contracts were not picked up for these people for reasons X and Y. They're never going to say it. And so that was sort of an extension of this. But now we've gotten to the point where, like, they won't even say, ooh, you know, anti-Semitism, maybe not great. When Black Shabbat came out, they won't say that racism is bad when Black Shabbat came out. They will let Ramona have a canned response of like, oh my God, and I texted you, Andy, because you're Jewish. And it was bad, but I've learned. And whatever they do, they did with Kelly at that point. It's just this process that continues. And it's it's unfortunate because it's actually a disservice to the audience. And you know, they had in their bio at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement when Jenny was telling black people to die. They had in their bio uh, to be silent is to be complicit. And it's like, OK, well, that's a great Instagram bio to have. And it's great that you're participating in this as a network, you know, days or weeks after others stepped up. But you're doing something. But then it's like we know they're just words, but like similar to Leanne Locken, like you do have more than two of them. You know, like this is your spiritual hands moment. You're in a bathroom, you're by yourself. What are you going to do? Like, mm. I don't know. There's no answer. All I know is I've been anti-Jenny since they made Dewey crack Lisa Barlow's son's back and you heard the noises. I was like, <laughs> get this woman out of here. I don't either. I don't, it made me feel bad because there's no Cheesecake Factory in New York. So I was like, I feel a certain way about this scene from she, that. She sort of got me on her side with the Cheesecake Factory. I was like, okay, like she <laughs> bravely would order Cheesecake Factory delivery to go, like to go to her fucking husband's office. Like maybe that. And then I did think she was starting to give something. Yeah. When, when, when she was calling Mary out. But then all this. And I'm just like, God, the second you get a glimpse beyond into who they really are, you do realize just how fake that some of these women are 
you can still have terrible women on TV. They Absolutely. just don't have to be as vocally racist as they are. And if we're going to talk about, well, real life involves racism, it's like there are many examples of that. But at a bare minimum, if you are absurdly vocally racist at your job and your job happens to be on TV and you don't push that back, you just assume that we understand this is not great. That's you're not you're not doing it. You're not doing it. Bronwyn Wyndham Burke was uh, like queer anti-racist and horrible. Simply horrible. So two things can be true. A wretched person <laughs> and an anti-racist. So we can have both. We can have both. Horrible, horrible women are out there marching, <laughs> m- marching p- with pink pussy hats. They're horrible. They're out there. I mean... I don't know any of them. As a perfect woman who is known as nothing but wonderful and sublime. It's like when I watch Jersey, it's like I know most of these women are Trumpers, but like I'm watching it and I do like them as they're depicted on television. And and, like I'm not boiling down to their politics like because it just would get too dark. But then it's just like, you know, there are some absolutely horrible liberal people that I know. Gross people, it cro- being a shitty person crosses the political divide. Yes. And also, we don't want to get into a conversation because it's the thing that people like to use against people when they use their voice. You just don't want your it's cancel culture. It's whatever. It's like no one is saying that conservative housewives shouldn't exist. They right. should. There's value in those conversations. And I am not if I ever did before. It's a reminder to ages out there. I'm not going to participate in a purity contest test for stuff in the future because that's just not interesting and that's not reality the difference is when you are vocally racist which should not be ascribed to a political party which you know is a separate conversation there should be a response to that you don't get to you don't get to own it in this way and if you do and there's no pushback we need to have a conversation matt rogers i could talk to you Forever, I de- you know, you guys, Las Culturistas, no joke, is a saving grace for for many, many people. Oh. And I have to tell you, as a podcaster, 282 Epson, when I need, you know, a kick out the door, something to make me feel differently and honestly just think while laughing my ass off oh. the entire time, I cannot I cannot more strongly recommend that people listen to Las Culturistas, follow you on social. You ha- are starring in a new Showtime comedy. It's true. And actually, I, ha- I have to break it down. It's actually really going to be really good. Of course so it is. It's going to be phenomenal. So we got Vanessa Bayer, Molly Shannon, and Jennifer Lewis. So oh, it's pretty Lewis. unreal. I mean, yeah. I, I, I can't say enough. And I literally can't say much because there's stuff about the plot that uh, shouldn't be revealed. But um, it's going to be really good. And it hopefully will be out like in the spring of this year. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. I start shooting it on the 31st of this month of January. Holy shit. Yeah, that's so, really soon. I know. I know. We'll do eight episodes. It's an eight episode first season, um, which I love. And, yeah, I love eight. Um, I love eight. It's a nice, good number. It's a good narrative number. And then it will be out a little bit later this year, spring, more spring, summer, more September, joggers. <laughs> joggers. <laughs> joggers is what 
waiting. Um, tell the folks how to follow you on social, how to listen to Las Culturistas, anything and everything that you want to discuss. You're I'm so all nice. In. I think I think we're at, I think we're at like 286 episodes, so we're like right right oh. above you. Oh my god, um, twinsies! Like right right around the same time we must have started. Um, but you can listen to that every Wednesdays. Um, mm-hmm. We're on iHeart um, and presented by Big Money Players. They're the best. Um, it's me and Bo and Yang. We talk about pop culture, have guests on, ask them what culture was the culture that made them say culture mm-hmm. was for them. Um, and uh, you can follow me at Matt Rogers, though, on Instagram. And you can follow at Las Culturistas on Twitter, which is the Twitter that I use because I am bravely not on it as myself anymore. It's simply got to be too much. So I still cheat and look on the Las Culturistas Twitter to see what's going on. But I'm not on it myself, which I can't recommend enough. I left years ago and I have the been in conversation about maybe going back for don't. the purposes of AG and I'm like I no. can't do it guys I Your podcast don't. does so well you don't need to you don't you don't need Twitter like the Twitter doesn't move the needle I I have to break it down it's just all Twitter does is make you really angry yes. at versions of your friends and people that you think you know online that mm. are that are fake that are exist only in your brain like it's it's I genuinely think it's I'm just going to break news here and like forge new ground and say Twitter is, you know, disgusting and bad for our mental health. But, you know, it is. And so follow me on Instagram instead. A much healthier platform. (laughs) You know what's great for our mental health is um, Insta at Dame Galley on IG. And also, you know, joining the Andy's Girls Patreon. Give me your cash money. Number one way to support the pod. $2 a month gets you my... Thanks. Uh, $5 a month gets you two bonus episodes. 10 bucks a month gets you four. You can join the premium level, the People's People's Couch, and record a Patreon episode with yours truly. And we are scheduling the next Zoom Kiki exclusive to Ooh. Patreon AGs at the OG of the AG and People's People's Couch level for Galletine's Day. I'm marketing wow. Valentine's Day around me. You must. Which I love. Mm. Iconic. Matt Rogers, oh my God, you know I die for you. This was intense. Thank you so much for having me. It was intense, but that's where we're at in, in the Bravo fandom. Like we're yeah. at an intense moment. We're at an inflection point. And we all we have are. to keep saying how we feel because I genuinely think they do listen. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess my wish for the Housewives franchises going forward is I think that it's it, the effort to make them all the more diverse is a, is a great one. I just think in terms of in practice, like – they have to get a little bit maybe more hands-on or just maybe a little bit more clever in the editing of it all because it's taxing to watch. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's just, it, it's it's becoming all-encompassing in mm-hmm. a way that, um, you know, I think that they're, they're, not, they're not seeing like the numbers shoot up. So, you know, mm-hmm. I just hope it gets better. I mean, well, speaking of numbers, you're my lifetime number one. So I just <laughs> need to put that out there. And guys, I hope you're all doing okay with whatever. Listen to Last Culch. Listen to AG. You're at the right spot being yeah. here with us now. And we'll shoot the shit with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.